welcome to The Beaten Track. I'm Joe Bullock and I'm joined, as always, by Louis Baker. Say hi, Louis. Hi, Louis. Oh, well, that's... That's clever, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. It was real out of left field. It was a very good joke. But this week, Louis, we are covering a a great album by everyone's favourite band who are very much in the centre of consciousness at the moment for um for creating the best christmas song um we're doing the pogues this week with their second their sophomore album rum sodomy and the lash yeah what a great topic it's a particularly good choice i would say joe thank you um yeah i just thought why not it's good it fits in with the christmas thing it's a good album it's got lots of things to talk about yeah i think yeah what a, well, what a does choice, it fit mate. in with the Christmas theme, really? I mean, um, well, it's, it, not, it's got. It's not a Christmas I mean, album or album with Fairy Tale New York on. Like, yeah, but once you say the pose, it, you know, instantly you. Uh, I mean, if we did a Paul McCartney album, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, this fits in with Christmas," would you? Like, yeah. Yeah, but. Well, yeah, because yeah. I suppose. Yeah, okay. Well, let's not get bogged down in that, shall we? Let's. The pose uh, are most well known for Fairy Tale New York, though. Yes, they are. Absolutely the case. And I think when you get to this album, you you think what you know they should be equally um, respected and acclaimed for their mm. their original non Christmassy composition. Um, yeah, the the sort of tales of getting pissed and and sort of spewing up. Oh, your feet and an angel at your head. There's devils on each side of you With bottles in their hand You need one more drop of poison And you'll dream of foreign lands When you pissed yourself in Frankfurt And got sipped out in Cologne And you heard the rattling stack trains As you lay there all alone Frank Ryan bought your whiskey And a prattle in Madrid And you take some fucking black shirt Who was cursing I mean, I don't know where to start with this album, really What was your... Um, I don't know. What are your reactions to it? How how have you I, um, an album you're familiar I, with before? Or? Yeah, I, I knew of the album. I'd listened to it a couple of times before. Probably not as um, as religiously as this, but yeah, I think the Pogues are an interesting one because um, yeah, it was always something. Maybe I'd always thought I should listen to them. Um, more in depth and stuff because and I think after listening to this I might be tempted to uh yeah I think it's um yeah there's I don't know I think obviously when I think of the pose I instantly think of Shane McGowan and his and his teeth and that was and that's in many ways as much as I kind of thought about the pose despite enjoying their music a little bit but I think maybe their image and stuff and also the Christmas song maybe gets more attention than than their music. And and now I've actually been committed to listening to this album. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been great. And it's been a it's been nice to delve into sort of um Celtic influences in music as well. I think that's something that interests me. So it was good that it was really good. I really enjoyed listening to it. Mm, yeah, I mean it's one it's one that I picked up on like vinyl quite cheap you know a few years ago because it's one of those albums that sort of 
well respected in a way uh, critically and um there's a sort of commercial breakout i suppose um pre- preceding the the third album uh, which had photos of new york on it but it for me the thing that strikes me the most which is like i always used to listen to it and you'd listen to like the first side and you think oh my god this is like the best album ever this is so good mm, yeah for, for me like one of the distinct things about this album without devaluing it too much is is that i much prefer the uh the first six or seven songs to yeah i would agree um but i mean i i, I like it all and um uh, yeah the energy of the album and the the sort of raucous and and drunken sort of sense of of this sort of weird yeah i mean i do love like just the sound of the album produced by one of your your faves elvis costello yeah yeah i mean yeah maybe we should just i mean i think costello's interesting i know there's a there's a there's a really good quote from him and the fact that i know you just touched upon the sort of the drunkenness and the rowdiness of the record and, and um, the image of the pose have. And Costello said that he saw his task was to capture them in the dilapidated glory before some more professional producer effed them up, is what he said. And um, I think that's a really good um, sort of description of what's gone on the record because they sound actually quite tight and... Um, the sound of the record is actually really commendable and it, it keeps the edge at uh, the edge of the pose with this kind of, I think what you describe it is kind of like a minimal sense of production. It's not, it's not like Elvis Costello, the producers had a huge impact upon um, the pose's sound, but instead has kind of captured them in their, in their element. I guess this is like the most pokesy album in terms of the sort of chaoticness and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think Costello does, a good job and you know you know he's worked with you know his other example he's not got a great sort of a huge back catalogue of, of production work but you could say something similar about the specials um debut album that he did it's not particularly sort of groundbreaking in terms of its sound but it captures a particular style and a particular sound pretty well so yeah i think uh he does well old costello yeah but i mean it's not like um it's a muddied or like a lo-fi kind of, um, you know, minimalist sort of production job. What it is, is you've got all the instruments and the vocals captured quite cleanly and stuff, but then, mm. yeah, it's letting the, the chaos of the band sort of shine through. I mean, something about the Pogues and their music, especially if you compare it to like a lot of folk, and it is that that Celtic influence again, it's it's such a, um, almost in opposition to the production aesthetic, it's so... so maximalist it's so there's so many instruments going on and so many different mm. melodies sort of uh competing and jarring and um so yeah it's got this real sense of sort of controlled chaos and yeah and i think great. and costello's obviously an interesting one in himself because it makes sense in terms of who he is you know he's um declan patrick mcmanus um you know from liverpool his parents from irish descent and stuff and he's also himself came from this sort of pub rock background that focused on small venues and there's a particular sound there. So I think, you know, when you're talking about the sound of the album, then mentioning Costello is an important one because that, that sense of the tight enclosed space um, is part of the setting where the, 
more traditional elements of the music would be received and also where the Pogues were performing at the time. And I think it captures that idea pretty well. Yeah, it's um, before they like blew up in terms of, yeah, I, just the, the intimacy of the settings. And mm. you're right to point out the the link. Uh, while this is a sort of, um, yeah, kind of Celtic influenced like folk album, um, obviously the, the elements of punk are, are very um, heavily forefronted. It's been described as a folk punk album, although it differs from, from actual like folk punk. But I mean, just in terms of um, the vocal style and um, some of the songwriting is, is very punkish. And um, also the pub rock scene, obviously Joe Strummer uh, takes yeah. over the band after Shane McGowan leaves after, um, well, you had a stint of the other dude singing for a while as well. Who, and, well, I'm sort of talking quite disjointedly, but I don't like the other guy's vocals very much compared to, mm. to Shane's. Um, yeah, there's definitely, um, obviously his, his vocal delivery is, you know, something that I'm sure we'll talk touch upon as we go through, but definitely, you know, is one of the, the things that is mo- most noticeable about the album and, definitely has that sense of, you know, Joe Strummer would be someone who links quite well to that sort of delivery style, the sort of, there's almost like a sort of rambling sort of style and um, yeah, he's quite cutting at times and stuff. And I think that, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure most people know what what I'm talking about when I mention that, but, you know, it's pretty unmistakable in terms of his delivery. And so, yeah, people like Joe Strummer and maybe even, maybe Mark E. Smith to an extent, this may be sort of more um, uh, drunken, rambly sort of delivery. Yeah, it's hard to describe actually because it's so it's so um, unmistakable, it's so gritty and it's so um, curled-lipped, if you like, yeah. It's, and it, it comes across particularly well on this album. Mm. I mean, I think um, one of the things about it is you know, it's the first uh, Pogues album that, that's original compositions. I mean, not not entirely, mm. but the first album's a covers album. And what you get is a, a really great synthesis between um, really Shane McGowan being a, one of the, not, maybe he's not recognised as a great songwriter in terms of, you know, the great uh, sort of folk singers and stuff. I mean, just these amazing sort of compositions as well as, uh, you know, so, they're so dynamic and, and sort of fluctuating and, and chaotic, like we said, but, but also the lyrical content and stuff is so well serviced by his voice. And, and it's so great how the, the album uh, links these songs with, with ones that are folk staples or, or ones that are written by other people. Um, I'm sure we'll get to like Dirty Old Town or something. It just... Um, the way that Shane McGowan uses narrative and stuff fits so well with, with some of these older songs as well, that, that it becomes a sort of cohesive um, project without, yeah, without being solely like a written by him or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that the, yeah, the album's fusion of, of, you know, these um, traditional um, Irish folk songs with his delivery and then the other compositions and his own songwriting. What I think what the what's so unique about the Pogues themselves is the fact that they they, they fuse that so well, and their, their appeal is kind of I guess singular in that sense. I don't think there's another. I know that the Pogues went on to influence um, a lot of bands, a lot of sort of 
these sort of Celtic punk bands, a lot of them being American and stuff like that. But I still don't think that there's anyone really like the Pogues in terms of what they did, in terms of their appeal as being both um, influenced a lot by the anger of punk and stuff and, and the, the drivingness of, and you can see that in the instrumentation, but also the, the, the traditional Irish music influence upon their, upon their work. I think they've got a kind of a, a singular appeal in that sense, which, um, which makes them interesting and makes them, makes them stand out really from any other band that I could, uh, I could talk about. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I was into folk punk a lot of the sort of sixth form or high school and stuff, you know, I listened to a lot of like Pat the Bunny and Andrew Jackson Jihad and stuff, and, and I, I wouldn't um, put put the Pogues in that sort of realm. I think mm. I think it is the sense of the the classical element or the I don't know the instrumentation and stuff. Even you know you do have some folk bands that are folk punk bands that use like accordions and things like that, but there's still something for me that there's quite a wide gap of separation. Definitely. Them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's shall we get into the, the track let's let's do it yeah because the the first track um is one of my favorites it's it's a it's an amazing opener it's the sick bird of calcutta and um uh it's got these amazing sort of slowed sort of openings and this sort of anticipation of the instruments and then these sort of very fast yelled verses by um mm. by shane mcgowan and describing this sort of um well, I imagine this sort of renegade, uh, drunken figure who's who's sort of decking black shirts and, and yeah. singing songs of liberty, etc., and while also getting incredibly drunk and vomiting everywhere, and um, yeah, living I, living the dream. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, <laughs> and I don't know. It's the sort of mix uh, that the Pogues have of this sort of um, this heroism, but then the sort of melancholy or this. Um, this really failed sort of romanticism, which is really pivotal to, to why Fairytale in New York is such a famous song. Yeah. And, you know, the, it, yeah, it's just um, the, the imagery. Def- yeah, the, it's, there's definitely that. And even though this song, you know, certainly, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't call it traditional in, in, any, in any sense in terms of its lyrical content, but the traditional... Um, Celtic folk music sense of of tragedy and and romance, like you were saying, is a theme throughout all these things. And and you can and the characters in in McGowan's lyrics and songs are all quite do have this sort of you know failed um, a sort of tragic sort of story to them. It's um, so there's definitely that that sense of um, yeah that sort of sense of tragedy throughout um, throughout all the lyrics. Yeah, and this song is, yeah, it's like um, you could play sort of like Shane McGowan bingo. I think this song you've got sort of lazy bastards spewing up booze. You've got devils. You've got banshees. You've got all the sort of you know you you could tick off a fair few in this song. It's it is brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, I just love the how the instrumentals sort of slow down. You've got the call outs from the band and stuff, and then mm. it sort of launches off as great sort of opener and very rapid song but then yeah it's even though it is this tragic it does feel like uh he's it's very much got uh and the thing about shaman gowan is it's not even like he has an affection for this sort of lifestyle he's sort of never left it so um, mm. yeah um, 
I love this song. Um, I well, I mm, the first few are just going to be like they're all great songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the next, actually, go on. There's a mm, the thing about the well, okay, well, do you want to talk about the the old main drag? Yeah, we can do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure whether it's actually. I think in terms of it as a tune, I don't think it's actually as good as some of the other some of the other tracks around it. Um there's a little bit sort of um dry if you like, but certainly in terms of the um McGowan songwriting it and his lyrics and stuff, it's quite the um it's quite a spectacle. Obviously it confronts this um male prostitution and the way in which he paints this sort of young character that's arrived in London and um is driven to to poverty, if you like, and yeah, I think it's you know the way in which McGarren does it. His the aesthetics of the song are so so gritty and um, and violent, and and obviously that comes from his delivery as much as it does his lyrics as well. And yeah, I mean, again, I've got written down a lot of the a lot of the different lyrics that just. That, that stand out to you, you know, the the starkness of the imagery, things like dribble and vomit and shout and I've been spat on and shat on and raped and abused. There's no um, sort of an unflinching nature to McGowan's, um, McGowan's lyrics. Yeah, and um, what also what, I mean, the, the first two songs as well, I feel like uh, a debate that, that rages with the Pogues and because... Um, because because they've got such a famous Christmas song as well, it's a, a debate that's raged annually, is the sort of, um, especially the first two songs, I'd say, are, um, sort of very sort of politically incorrect. And um, mm. I don't know, I, I thought, you know, it's not necessarily something that, um, I don't know, you have to touch on it when you talk about a band or whatever, but I thought, I thought it would definitely come up because I think there's, I don't know, there's something quite in, interesting about how, I don't know. For, for me, the Pogues are interesting in that sense because I've always sensed, um, despite the fact that, that, that some of the, the terminology that you use, etc., is, is regressive and is not, um, for, for you know, for example, what they're referring to, like uh, sort of transgender prostitutes in the, in this song, and then you know, in the the first song, you have a bit where they're talking about. Uh, you know, decking a black shirt or whatever, but then they're using sort of image um, terms that are now like viewed as anti-Semitic and I, I, well, not even now, especially like the, the terms sort of the perpetually like, and I just, um, the, for me, the Pogues are always interesting because you've got that sense of them, but then there's also a kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it. Do, do, um, if you're sort of not in the mainstream and you're sort of, for me, the the Pogues sort of represent a kind of, even if their presentation might be considered regressive, there's the, there's a kind of embrace of, of, I don't know. For yeah, me, I think I think I know exactly what you're trying to get. I think there's the you know McGarren's lyrics certainly confront topics without um, without censoring, you know, his a lot of the 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 terms in there and you know you know the debate comes up yearly and with 
fairy tale of New York, New York and has done again. But and his lyrics constantly confront these things. But I, you never, I, I, in none of the songs do I ever feel like he is. Um, I don't think you ever get the sense that his lyrics are used to mock or to, um, or to demean, if you like. And I think the old main drag is a really interesting, and it's a song that I would point towards if people are interested in the sort of the fairy tale of New York thing. It points to a far more complex relationship with homosexuality that McGowan has. I think, although the terms used and like you you explain that quite well i think in fact he's what he's actually singing about is is something maybe is yeah it's a much more complex um song yeah it's a dip, i think we're both struggling struggling to get our point across completely um well i think what's interesting to me is when i listen to this album especially when i first like sort of listen to it is because you're sort of put back by some of these terms and then but there's also, an, yeah, there's definitely an affinity between, for example, in The Old Main Drag, you've got Shane McGowan. Um, his character is sort of immersed in this um, this culture. And, and yeah, obviously it doesn't, like, turn out well for him. But then uh, the, uh, that, didn't t- that didn't phrase didn't turn out well for me. Um, so basically, yeah, you've got this male prostitute thing and, and, and you've got this... Um, sort of you know he doesn't have a great experience but then on the other side he, he's got this affinity with, with um, definitely yeah and then also you know it's, it's in opposition to people like the police etc not not the band but the, the um you know, law <laughs> enforcement etc and the band. <laughs> no and what what struck me about this is the pogues for me have always seemed like a, a kind of queer band in in many ways the when you get definitely. when you get to like um a man you don't meet every day. The idea of uh... yeah, a hundred percent. A lot. I mean, a lot of the pronouns as well throughout the throughout the album are, are you know converse to what to what you might expect. I definitely think there's yeah, definitely a far more complex and much more interesting relationship between McGarren's songwriting and sexuality than than you might um, you might expect from some of the ways in which um, fairy tale New York is presented in the media and stuff. Not to say, uh, not particularly to weigh in on the on the argument too too much, but I think that yeah, I think you're touching on the rights. It, you know, he has certainly has an affinity with these characters, and I think the old main drag is is quite empathetic, if you like, and you know his character is very much immersed in that, like you said. So yeah, it's it's very interesting actually. I think it's just it going to encourage me to listen more to his to his lyrics and stuff and and i'm sure the more you listen the more you'll find interesting things that point towards yeah i keep on saying more complex relationship because i don't have another better way of uh, describing it yeah i think culturally it's kind of regressive but then when you actually get to the sort of personal aspects of the songs and and the perspectives that that being shown is is very different it's like yeah i'm a man you don't meet every day it's a great song and that's the one where you get um Kate O'Rourke's uh, vocals, mm. and, you know, really sort of just by inverting the, the gender of the song, essentially, it becomes so much more powerful, and, and and it is imbued with all these different meanings of like queer readings of the song, or or how it's 
how the song is speaking about class and confidence and, and things like that that are just um yeah again this really novel take on like uh folk songs essentially it's, you know that and a pair of brown eyes you've got this sort of ballad uh type songs and um yeah like you say both of those are playing with, with pronouns and, and different perspectives being mm. sort of inhabited uh in terms of sort of yeah i mean oh there's so many good you know you've got uh, i'm skipping around all over the place you've got wildcats of um Kilkemine, which is this great instrumental track that goes all over the place it's got this amazing bass line mm. it's just so sort of chaotic and really immersive and, and brilliant and yeah it's great i don't know what to say yeah it's definitely i think as you come these next couple of tracks are you know where the album really sort of takes off for me like you were saying before i'm a man you don't meet every day is the delivery kato rodan's delivery is superb and there's this sort of um this sense of beauty in a delivery set against the tragedy of, of the lyrics and stuff again i think superb and then as you come on to a pair of brown eyes and then into sally matlanan i just think yeah that's where the album really sort of sets its tone and and yeah tracks that um yeah i've really sort of been drawn to i think a pair of brown eyes particularly that i, I would say that that's my favorite track on the uh, on the album Yeah, it's like another one where you've got this sort of um, perspective of a young man in a pub or whatever, but then it becomes uh, a much more sort of scaled out and um, more resonant sort of um, exploration. Of, of I think, yeah, I think that's the template for all of Shane McGowan's songs. It starts off with a young man in a pub and then sort well, of yeah. stretches out into... I think um... it's more complex than like Colin <laughs> or something. I think, you know, is this exploration of, of age and, and, and romance that's sort yeah. of and loss and yeah. Yeah, and, and, and sort of desire and and it's McGowan when it is more sort of enchanting, if you like, there's a sense of 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 drunkenness and and drunken desire and, and and searching for something that is brilliant and and the um the chorus um of a pair of brown eyes is sort of like almost like sea shanty like refrain of a roving a roving a roving i'll go is is brilliant and yeah a lot of the lyrics on on that track are are more contemplated if you like and you know that the final lyric of weather winds was gently laughing. I think McGowan's got a, a fantastic sort of a very poetic um, sense in his lyrics as well, and and is far greater than than just the sort of um, the sort of more cutting moments and stuff. There's some real great um, imagery in, in a lot of these tracks. Yeah, I mean, I was um, reading uh, Nick Nick Cave sort of weighing in on the famous debate um, today, and and the the idea of the the moon or 
stars things like that being animated with like faces and stuff that very much reminds me of, of his songwriting mm. and i think um you know bands like the pogues were quite influential on his definitely yeah um sort of style and he's you know obviously a beaten track favorite um <laughs> and then i think for me my favorite song might be might be sally mcclanan um well mm. i don't know it's between a few of them i guess um again it's got this really infectious sort of chorus this sort of sing-along um yeah it's it's wonderful it's kind of again about a, a character that's leaving and everyone's sort of observing him and yeah it's it's, it's great the melody is so catchy and um yeah it's again the celebratory sort of buy me beer and whiskey because i'm going far mm. away but then um yeah it's again got the sense of loss or um melancholy but but more with a sort of more raucous sort of rhythm again that's kind of not sort of permitting the same sense of of melancholy that you have with like pair of brown eyes or something um yeah i think it, i think it's great I, I mean there's there's just little things like the the fact that he manages to fit the name sally matlanan into the into the actual chorus is in you know in, in itself the, the the syllables just don't fit but the fact that he manages to get sort of the name sally matlanan in there and yeah it's it's great and yeah and i love the shouts of far away as yeah. well just the sort of the sort of screams of far away it's yeah it's a great it really is a good track and yeah maybe a little bit more um feel good in, in its sense of um slightly more sing-along sort of sense and yeah it's i think that's where the album sort of or maybe not where the app yeah probably where the album peaks if you like and then a dirty old town obviously another classic to come on to but I would agree with the thing you said earlier about the first six or six or seven tracks yeah, being. The, Sally McLennan ends ends the first side of the, of the vinyl release, and then you you listen to um, that old town, and it's like great, and then it all sort of things fall apart. But, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the first side of this album, one of the best sides ever. It's a great side. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I lo it's again the sort of self mythologizing of you know the pub where I was born and. And this sort of mm. feeling of immortality of, of just drinking and drinking and sort of still going on and stuff. And um, yeah, it's great. And, and Dirty Old Town, you know, well, I mean, rightly what, regarded yeah. as, as, what, as sort of the, the the definitive sort of interpretation of the song. Really. And yeah, it's great. Such a good track. It reminds, you know, it's, um, yeah, such a, yeah, I don't even know what to say about the song because I think it's been played. I've heard it so much and I, and I love it so much that it's, uh, yeah, it's such a classic. And um, obviously, like, it being Ewan McCall's tale of, of Salford and this sort of northern industrial landscape and the, and the grittiness of it, I think he's brought out so well by um, McGowan's delivery and his sort of, is emotionally compelling sort of lyrics really bring the whole thing to the fore. And yeah, I just, it's one of those things that I, I mean, certainly stick it on the jukebox and I will sing my heart out to it because it's just such a good, uh, such a good track. Yeah. And I think you've got this, um, despite the fact that they are sort of um, very influenced by that traditional fight there's also the 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 ideas of like industry and the city and things like that, that definitely yeah pop up and 
you know the the sense of leaving and the again the the um the mix sort of either a kind of romanticism but this kind of flawed or, or, or gritty or like you know it's a kind of um very critical but again a sort of romanticized view of like industrial towns and um again a sort of romantic um with the capital r and the lowercase really is sort of another story about love and um yeah it's wonderful wonderful song and absolutely flawless you can't really go wrong no cannot go wrong at all but the pogues can and that's when you get to uh the rest of the track no um i didn't know uh i don't know i i like all of these mm, i don't know uh, what, what what are your I thoughts think, about the, the yeah, rest of the album? I, I don't think. I just yeah, I just think that. I know obviously, I think the next two songs. I think, I think definitely the next song, Jesse James, is a, a sort of a reworking of a traditional song, and the mix is a bit quiet, and I, I'm just not really that that you bothered get, about you get it. Knock off Joe's drama, sort of going for it, and it's just like yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's because at this point, it's sort of diminishing returns. You get like. You know, all all the sort of rhythmic intensity and the, the raucousness of earlier in the album is, um, you know, I think it's repeated to a lesser. Um, yeah, just for songs that aren't as expanded upon. Or, for me, it still keeps the momentum going. And when I listen to it now, I don't have that negative reaction as I as I used to. I do still sort of enjoy them all, but um, yeah, for me, they're not the as standard. I would, I would say that. The closer is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of another aspect, I suppose, that we haven't talked about the Pogues is um, when you've got two two other aspects that sort of link in, aside from the sort of elements of, of, of androgyny that we talked about earlier and the, the political correctness, et cetera, the, the sort of griminess of the lyricism. There's, there's also the... Well, I guess we did touch upon earlier the sort of liberative sense. You know, you've got the sort of anti-fascist uh, elements mm. of the first song. And what you get with the band play Waltzing Matilda is this sort of um, very strong anti-war um, message and, and this sort of just long sort of drawn out vision of, of, of waste, essentially. The, the idea of, of, you know, people coming home from war and and not really understanding the the parades and the sort of the imagery of, of heroism that's associated with, yeah. with, with suffering essentially. So yeah, amazing song and, and really Shane McGowan's the his vocals and stuff are so so well suited to, to singing it. And it, I think the, the album benefits from it a lot, I think. I don't think I don't think it completely, you know, I think the second I think the couple of tracks before it are perhaps um, not as good as the as the first couple, but I think that you still get that this song sense brings a sense of whole to the album and maybe a bit more cohesiveness because I think it does work quite well as a whole in general. Um, and yeah, I think it's you know it benefits from being a longer song and closes the album particularly well. And yeah, I, yeah, I think it's um, obviously it's a cover, but. Um, yeah, McGowan's just fantastic on it. You know, when he's when he sings about the the sort of shell knocking him ass over tit, it's it's. I think only McGowan could sort of 
deliver that in, in, in quite the in the way that he does it in it and it works so well. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic closing track and yeah, yeah, like you were saying, definitely Poe's lyrics touch a lot on upon um yeah, sort of politics and the sense of um the sense of the migrant as well that, that is often touched upon. Um which is, you know, in the artwork and in the um and in the and then obviously in McGowan's story and, and a lot of the stories of you know the members of the band and stuff like that and yeah, yeah there's, there's, go on. well yeah there, there are there are these you know sometimes it's not apparent in in all of the songs but there are definitely political aspects to the band and um yeah I think this is it's a very strong sort of anti-war sentiment but I think yeah what you get is a sense of not being I think Shane obviously feels quite chained to to Irish identity, um, but what you get, yeah, is this sense of of migrancy and of not being really chained down or, or being quite disillusioned with a lot of um, you know thing things like the operation of state, etc. He's it's mm. about in independence, really. It's a kind of yeah, these roving sort of figures who aren't really fixed in place and are kind of sometimes sort of drunkenly unaware of where they're going and yeah definitely but i mean you think about the idea that you know a lot of the bands you know there is there is actually some debate over whether the band should be called irish or anglo-irish or whatever and i think that debate essentially just doesn't really um doesn't really help anyone it's not very interesting but i think more interesting is the this idea of Ireland in the 1980s itself being in sort of crisis, you have sort of mass migration as you have along many points of Irish history and also economic crisis and, and the same in the, in the UK. And I think, and I guess the Pogues represent the sort of Irish migrant or particularly Shane McGowan represents the Irish migrant and quite well. And in their lyrics, they confront a lot of things like um, depravity and, poverty and vice and instead of just focusing on one on one place that the settings there's actually quite a diverse set of like set of locations in there there's you talked about london and ireland and obviously gallipoli and in the Mm. sort of final moment so there's a much more sense of um something far greater than it just being about sort of um a sense of irish identity or something like that there's something of the migrant identity and, and belonging to something else involved in in the pose lyrics which i think makes it a lot more interesting and and yeah i think there's you can really dig into this idea of the sort of celtic influence upon upon their the, the maybe one not maybe not the celtic influence sorry the, the sort of migrant influence upon their lyrics and stuff yeah um yeah i think yeah there's definitely this very much a freedom and, and a mixture of, of real sort of like things that are actually going on. I mean, they did write songs about you know the Irish Civil War and stuff, but not not in this album. And then you know with Gallipoli and stuff, and then you know the more sort of fantastical or classical, you know these stories that aren't. And, and what you get with the album as well is a mix of sort of perspectives of like first person and these sort of characters. Obviously, like Jesse James, this kind of folklorish heroes, and obviously that drawing from American. Um, not just folklore, but um, 
sort of sensationalism and um, yeah I mean it's a it's a very culturally diverse sort of thing that still molds together and like you brought up with the album cover it's that's I think one of the this is such a complete package I mean it's such a, a great um, idea to have the sort of um, you know classic painting with with the band's faces on or whatever it really represents this this mix of sort of tradition and um mm. and, and disregard for it the kind of the it's the it's, yeah it's the best album cover we've had on the uh, on the podcast definitely. ever really i think so yeah i, I think it's I, brilliant i wouldn't be able to i think it, yeah i think it like it does it, it mixes the sort of the message but but it's also just quite fun the fact that they put their faces on this sort on this yeah. painting i think that's all i think it, yeah I love it. I think it's great. That is, I mean, also that that format is kind of a recipe for disaster. Usually, but it's, it's done quite well. Mm. But, you know, it's the kind of territory of like terrible mixtapes and stuff, sort of putting <laughs> your face on like a, a piece of art. But yeah, it does work really well, and it's, it's it is quite funny um, just to see all the band and and on the on the back of the album, you've got all the pictures of all the band, and they're all sort of decked out like pirates and stuff, which is. Yeah, I guess nautical imagery is another one that comes up quite a lot throughout. Um, yeah, obviously linking to sea shanty and stuff. But yeah, I like this album a lot. It's I, I'd like to delve more into other Pogues albums, I think, because I don't think I've got a, that well-rounded a view of their sort of discography. But I mean, mm. it's often regarded as one of the best, and I think you know it's a it's a great album. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I thought interesting. I don't know whether you, you saw it, but um, just in terms of their sort of influence, and um, you know, we've been talking a bit about Irish and Celtic music and stuff. I saw that yesterday. Um, Fontaine's DC um, from um, from Dublin. who just released their second album this year. Um, they released a cover of um, "I'm a Man You Don't Meet Every Day," which was. Oh. This was quite good. Um, I think it was just for the radio or something like that that they played, but it's actually, it actually quite good. So I just, just thought that was interesting in terms of um, their influence upon um, modern Irish music and certainly an Irish sort of post-punk um, feel to Fontaine's DC's music. And I guess that sort of situates the Pogues quite well in their um, in their importance in terms of punk and, uh, and Celtic music. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that you have a quiz for me. I have a quiz. It's the worst quiz we've had yet, but it is a quiz. It's exciting. Yeah, I was going to do um, Irish or not Irish, um, and I was going to give you a band, and you were going to tell me whether they were Irish or not. But after a good one, top that one. Yeah, it might have been a good one. I was thinking of bands like sort of Thin Lizzy and Dropkick Murphys and stuff like that, and see whether I could sort of. Thin Lizzy are and Dropkick Murphys aren't. Is that the? Yeah, there you go. See, you would have smashed it. Yeah. Okay, so thank you. Um Shay McGowan loves a canal. Yes, he's um, known for his canal. as do I. Mm-hmm. As do any as does any thinking man or woman. Better than roads, in my opinion, because you can oh, have a boat on them. just just brilliant. Anyway, so I've got three questions all about uh canals. The first question is what's the longest canal in Britain? And I can give you three options. From which to, uh... Yeah, because I don't actually know the names of any. So. Okay, first option, the Manchester Shipping Canal. Okay. Second, the Liverpool Leeds Canal. Okay. Third, the Grand Union Canal. 
Well, obviously, I don't think it's the first one. Um, mm. You know, I didn't feel like it's that long. Um, I don't know, though. Um, Liverpool Leeds, I'm, I'm leaning towards. I feel like that's quite long. But then Grand Union is such a vague. Could, could be, <laughs> you know, could go anywhere. It could be the whole of the United <laughs> Kingdom. It's just covered in this canal. Um, so Maybe we're just all living in the canal. I'll go, I'll go the, um, obviously, the Liverpool Leeds one is limited by... The distance between Liverpool and Leeds, but then the Grand Union, it could be anything. So I'll go with Liverpool and Leeds and we'll see what happens. Uh, it's uh, the Grand Union. Okay. Yeah, I thought I'd sort of get you with that one. Liverpool Leeds has the longest, um, like, individual stretch of canal, though, which okay, I think well, is really what counts. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, Liverpool Leeds is the best canal in the world. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, second question. Uh, what canal is being refer- referenced in Dirty Old Town? Well, you said it was Salford, so is it the Manchester shipping thing? No? It's not really, and this is such a bad question because <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to know all the different canals in Manchester because there's, there's, there's hundreds of them. So no, it's not. It's the Manchester Bolton and Bury Canal. Right, okay. Everyone's favourite. 15 miles long. Um, yeah, that's all you're getting. That's the only <laughs> information you're getting. About. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And here's the last one, and this is the worst question out of the three. Okay. What year was um, the act passed that meant that the Liverpool-Leeds Canal could be built? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Do you know what? I think it's going to be a pretty old canal. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you within... If you get it within five years, then I'll be Ooh, I'm happy. going to go like 1908. No, it's 1770. Jesus. Oh, man, that's <laughs> well old. I, I was thinking like maybe go for late late Victorian or you know, early, but oh, I didn't think it was going to be that old. Yeah. I you were, Liverpool you... was that old. Liverpool was a little babby, but no. Okay. <laughs> Well, there you go. There's the canal. I don't think that has done the episode or album justice, but that was your canal quiz. Well, it's got the same sort of um, disregard that, that Shane McGowan has, the sort of casual, yeah. off-handed approach to quiz making. He, he would he would admire, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. We're, we're, that's it from us, I think, this week, isn't it? Yeah, we'll see you all next week, see if I can top the, uh, top the choice. Yeah, well... Yeah, you might be able to. Yeah, and, and obviously we're drawing closer to the end of the year. And mm. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do a list of the, the best albums of the year. Maybe we can do a Christmas yeah. episode. I don't know. We won't promise anything. Yeah, let's see what Dropkick Murphy's album I choose. Yes. Um, <laughs> are they a good band? No, I, I, well, I assume not. Okay. Well, but I don't know. Week, 